When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hello again, I'm Giles Brandreth. The month is March, the daffodils are in bloom, and this is Rosebud. Welcome to another episode of Rosebud. This is our podcast where every week I meet somebody interesting and talk to them about their early recollections, their very first memories. And I'm quite excited this week because I'm come to the Grosvenor House Hotel in London's Park Lane to meet a very old friend, somebody I've known for a long time. Rivals, Riders, Polo. These have been internationally best-selling novels written by Jilly Cooper. But there's so much more to Jilly Cooper than her huge, successful books. She is a most unusual and charming woman, and I've known her a long time, and I just love getting together with her in a hotel room and spending time gossiping. Well, anyway, here we are. Enjoy this. Julie, I'm in a state of high excitement seeing you, as I always am, as I have been since we first met. Do you remember when we first met? I think it was something to do with Monty Python, wasn't it? It was to do with Monty Python. We first met, it would be more than half a century ago. Oh, half George, a, 50 years. Over 50 years. Over 50 God, years ago. So you were in your baby. Uh, well... I, I was quite young. You were quite young too. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. No, no, you I were. Wasn't. You were ten years older than me then, as you still are. But you, we were both quite young. I was very young, and you were young too. It was your first flush of fame, your first book, Jolly Super. Jolly yeah. Super. Yeah. And we were both published by Air Methuen. Yep. Do you remember the name of the publisher? Jeffrey Strawn. You can. Oh. And he used to wear a green cape. I remember. Did he wear a green cape? I've forgotten of, that. I've forgotten that. Yeah. Anyway, he sent you and me mm. and all of the Monty Pythons yep. on a bus trip around the country to promote our books. Because I had a book with him called Brandless Party Games. Yes. We had your Jolly Super and we had the Monty Pythons with their first Monty Python book. Yeah. And it wasn't also on one of the trips, because we went on several trips, there was Leslie Thomas who wrote Virgin Soldiers. Yes, yes. Virgin Soldiers. You wouldn't get away with that now, would you? <laughs> You wouldn't get away with much. I want to discover all the things that you have got away with. 
over the past 80 and more years, Julie <laughs> Cooper. So let's begin at the beginning, if we may. I need to ask you, what is your very, very first memory? Well, it sounds silly, but my, my father was at Dunkirk and um, we were staying with my aunt up in Yorkshire and, and she was very bossy, but we, poor woman having all of us descending on her. Um, my mother was doing, tried to do the gardening and she was so worried my father was at Dunkirk. She was worried, 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 worried. And suddenly he rang up and said he was safe. And I remember she sang one day over the rainbow again and again oh. and again and again and again. And she went out. She was so excited and she wanted to be helpful. She weeded up all the plants in my heart's garden. <laughs> oh, the relief. Mm, the relief. sheer relief. Yeah, yes, sheer relief. Sheer relief. Who, who were your parents? My mother was ravishingly beautiful and rather naughty. Ah. Mm. What was her name? She was called Elaine Salish. Elaine. Yeah, yeah. Elaine. Yeah. And she's lovely. Beautiful. And did she have that kind of what we might think of as Edwardian style. She was glamorous. She was incredibly glamorous. It was when, when my father met her, um, and my father was took her to a dance, and somebody, somebody said, oh, Bill's little girl is the belle of the ball. Well, that's sweet. She was very beautiful. Oh, lovely. Mm, we all want to be the belle of the ball. Yeah. Was your father, would he have been the beau of the ball? Was he a... He's beautiful. He's a beauty. He was a handsome man. Very, very shy, very shy. No, he became a brigadier and got an OB. Became a brigadier during the war. I yes, mean, he, yes, he yes, yes. obviously was very good. Yes, he was. He, he rose. I was so proud of him. I mean, that was one of my first prides, seeing him striding out, his red band around his hat as a brigadier. Very proud. I got quite right, too. So, when were you born? 1937. 1937 to these parents. I'm nearly 87. Good grief. In February. Good, good (laughs) grief, woman. Well well done. Well done, you. So there you are, 1937, this baby born to these very glamorous parents. Uh, Have you got brothers and sisters? Very glamorous brother. Uh, Is he older than you? He died. He died. Yes, three years older. Three years older. Did he die a long time ago? No, about 10 years ago, but all my girlfriends were completely. He was so glamorous, they all wanted to come and stay because they they wanted to get off with him because he was so gorgeous. And what do you remember of your childhood? You were born just before the war, so mainly your childhood is the early war years. I don't remember very much, but there was a bomb on our school, which was quite frightening. That was quite frightening. I I burst into tears because all the glass got in our jelly. We were having orange jelly that day. Cause I'm, I'm first banana, I remember. These are the first things I remember. I'm having first banana and first orange in about some 1945. Extraordinary. My gosh, because mm. they were the luxuries yeah. you had at the end of the yeah. war. Yeah, exactly. What food do you remember from the early years? What's your first memory of food? God, I think my mother made shepherd's pie. Sweets, of course. No, we couldn't get sweets, you see. We had about, about two ounces of chocolate a week. Yeah. Awful. And as a child, what were the games you played? All I cared about was horses. Ah. So sort of riding, riding, riding on, on, on what's the thing called? What's it called when you ride on a horse? With, a, with, a gymkhana. No, no. I mean, Pony club. A, no, no. A, a, a toy. A toy. Oh, a toy horse. Yes, toy horse. Oh, you had a toy horse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on wheels. No, that thing you ride around. You know, with, 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 oh, I know. Yes. Like a hobby horse. Yes, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. You had a hobby horse. Yes, it's a good I guessing did. game. Did, you had I a did. hobby horse, and you rode around on the hobby horse. Who was your first friend? My first friend? Oh, child, I'm being so hopeless. You're not hopeless at all. I am, I am just trying to think. Because I had lots of friends at school. And then, because um, I remember when I got, we went to Cornwall um, at the end of the war, we bought my first pony called Rufus. And this was awful. We came back to, 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 to Cobham and Rufus arrived by horse box about sort of three days later and I said to all my friends I said come on come on you're coming home with me to see Rufus 
we got home and there was Rufus looking absolutely beautiful, this lovely bay horse. And I opened the door and ran into the field, Rufus, 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 and he bit me three times. No. <laughs> Love at first bite. Love at first bite, exactly. So Rufus went. So oh, Rufus was considered to be no, he's not, vicious. He was not, absolutely not safe in field. No, no, he was, what was the word, improperly gilded. How about that? Oh, they no. hadn't done it no, sufficiently. No, they hadn't done it properly. I don't, I don't quite know how Does that happen? I mean, if they have their bits off, they then become karma, do they? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. That's where they gilded. I think this explains everything. I mean, we've, we've just started our conversation. We're already at Riders. And, and you're actually explaining how the men need to be gelded in order to calm down. So your first, this is where it all began. This is why this conversation is so fascinating. Rufus. You are, we, we are with Rufus. Were they bad nips or they were really, they weren't? Oh, yes, quite bad ones. Oh, they, yes, oh yes. I see, they were. Yes, yes no, it wasn't So he was taken away? It was taken away. So you lost your, this, can I say, we could almost stop the conversation now, because this explains everything. You spent the rest of your life compensating for the fact that your fur, the love of your life, yes, had not been properly gelded, no. bit you too hard, <laughs> and was taken away by your parents. Yes, no, I mean, no, no. I'd, I wanted him to go because he had hurt me a lot, but but, um, no, but I was, all I thought about was horses. And so, who was your second horse? I mean, what did? What well, that, when I went, went, we went to Yorkshire. We moved to Yorkshire after the war, and and, and the lovely thing. And then I got a pony called Willow, who was absolutely divine. And the lovely thing with them was my first pony. I would leave the house at seven o'clock. I would ride all over the moors all day, and nobody worried about me at all. I mean, the people didn't worry about yeah. anybody. That was perfectly safe. Yeah, and you were safe, mm. and you were just happy with your pony. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm. And did you do over the years competitive pony riding? Did you join mm. the I pony did. club? No, and that I did. Sort of such a horrid little show. I used to go to Jim Connors, get masses of rosettes, and drive. I always used to put them on the. On the on the left side of the horse so people could see it from the street as I rode back through Ilkley High Street with all these rosettes. And how long did the love affair with horses go on for? Well, always really, but I mean, I had this disastrous thing. At 14, I was um, at the pony club and, and my f best friend couldn't get her, Jane Beaver, she was called. <laughs> <laughs> it's all explaining itself, truly. I mean, you don't anyway, need to send this off to the psychiatrist. Jane we just Bieber. Jane listen Bieber carefully. Had a, a pony called Jeldy. Jersey. Jeldy. Jeldy. Oh, Geldy. Geldy gets getting worse and worse. You see, I'm the inner Jersey person. You're the inner Gelding person. Yes. Excellent. So the, the anyway, pony called Geldy. Jeldy. 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 Jeldy wouldn't go over the parallel bars. And so I said, oh, get off. I'll get over the parallel bars. So I rode up to the parallel bars. Jeldy stopped. And I went through the air, oh. went into the parallel bars. And, and, my, and dislocated my arm, and, and the nerve was caught up. And it was, I dislocated and broke it. And so I was in the hospital for a fortnight, but, but, but it was paralyzed for two years. And so I, um, I, never, I got lost my nerve completely. I couldn't ride anymore, I was terrified. That was the end of, of mm. riding for you, was it? Mm. So I wrote Riders instead. Gosh. Stay with you being young, this first school you're at, can mm. you remember what it was called? It was called Brooklands. Any of the teachers from that school you remember? I wish I do. I, all I remember being a disgrace. My first pantomime, no, first, first, no, we, we had a wonderful nativity play we did, and, and I was one of the angels, and I had to say something lovely and important, and and I was just about to say lovely, lovely and important. And I saw my mother in the audience. Mummy, mummy, hello, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so they were furious. You spoilt our concert. You spoilt our nativity play. So that wasn't very good, was it? And from those early days, who are, you say you can't remember friends, but who was your best, your first best friend? God, I, I don't know, my, my brother and my mother. I did have lots of friends, but... Um, I know what you can think of. Tell me, who was your first boyfriend? 
Oh, that was a boy called Andrew Wade. And Andrew Wade lived across the valley. He, it, was, it was lovely. And, and, and also, I remember going to a party, and there was my husband, Leo. Oh, and my goodness. Uh, this girl was rabbiting on about something, I can't remember what, and Leo picked up a jelly and threw it at her. So there was a lot of jelly in my life. But anyway, I met Leo then, and then I didn't meet him again until I was 14 when Andrew, who lived across the valley, became my boyfriend. And we, I remember going to a dance once, and Leo wrote to me the next day at school and said, I really quite wanted to kiss you in the car, but I knew you were Andrew's girlfriend, so I didn't. And I thought, how dirty of him, how awful. He wanted to kiss me when I belonged to Andrew. Was that prig? Well, yes, because also he decently told you of his I know. desire, I know. but also boasted of how he'd contained himself. Mm. He didn't make an unfortunate. No. I think, mm. yes, I think no. you were wrong. No, then he married somebody else. But, so Leo married somebody else before he married you? No, he married, he married his housemaster's daughter. Well, 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 we better go through this now. We must <laughs> sort this out. And, Andrew is the first boyfriend. Andrew, yes, Andrew Wade. And you were probably his... I mean, you, you, it was a proper relationship. No, no, he didn't kiss me or anything. Oh, did you hold hands? Yes. That no, was we didn't it? Kiss, we didn't kiss at all. I didn't get kissed quite a bit later. But well, those it. are the days when one paced oneself. Mm. Now it's all, you know, the no. meal is hardly over and it's wham-bam. <laughs> I mean, no, it's true, isn't it? There was something, you know, you paced yourself. You yes. worked up to the excitement to yes. rush into it. Yes. So Andrew and you had two years yes. of holding hands yes. and exchanging letters. Exchanging letters at school, yes. Let's stop now and go to choir practice. Have you kept some of the, his letters? I don't know. My house is such a mess. You must come to my house and come to the basement where you will see boxes. Every, I've kept every letter. When I was 12, but you're jolly attractive, so you must have had lots of letters well, from lovely very girls. Sweet. So uh, who, who wrote to you at school? Oh, a lot. And what the funny is, that we were at school. We were writing to each other at school. We were, you know, together at school. Why are we sending notes to one another? We could actually speak to one another. But I was writing notes all the time. Really? And I used to have bright orange notepaper uh, and bright orange envelopes. Really? Which the notes went. Uh, orange? Why orange? I don't know. To stand out from the crowd. But we're supposed to be talking about you. So Andrew, <laughs> Andrew has two years, mm. and uh, then Leo comes back on the scene. I didn't no, realise Leo, Leo, Leo. We all laughed like mad because he married his housemaster's daughter at Radley. He marries the housemaster's daughter. I agree. Was ravishingly beautiful, and everybody wanted to marry her. She's yeah. stunning. And then years later, I met a very, very plain man in a pub, and he then told me he shared a flat with a man called Leo Cooper. And so he said, oh, "Come and meet him again." And so I did, and there he was. And his wife had left him, and he was very heartbroken. And 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 um, then he took me out. He he proposed on the second date. I'm not surprised. That was nice, though, wasn't it? It was well. It was it was sensible. He was did the right thing. And the truth is, hmm. he had these feelings years before. No, no, no. no I don't think he's. Oh, but yes, yes he, did, he did because he wrote to you yes, about right. Andrew. Yes, I know he did. And you rejected that mm. moment, but mm. the time. It was all in the stars. Yes, it was. It was lovely anyway. So how he proposed you on the second date, and how old were you when you got married then? 24. 24, so you were quite young. Mm. Very good. No, it was old then, for then. It's yeah, young, well, young for now. It's all changed, doesn't mm -hmm. it? It's all changed. Mm -hmm. How long were you married for before he died? 53 years. A long time. It was a long time. People who are listening to this who don't know Leo Cooper, he was among many other things, he was a publisher, mm. particularly of military history, mm, mm. and the leading publisher of military mm. history he was, of his time. He was, he, was. he was also very wry and mm. amusing, mm. and was. as I remember, quite protective of you, and mm. you were of him. Mm. Yeah. No, he was absolutely lovely, and very funny. He had Parkinson's, and so if somebody has Parkinson's, actually, you just, in the end, you want them to go, because it's so awful. Yeah. 
Yes, it still dries here. And regular Rosebud listeners will know that we are generously sponsored by the J.W. Marriott Grosvenor House Hotel, one of London's most iconic hotels. The Grosvenor House's history is fascinating and often a bit unexpected. Did you know that the hotel had its own aeroplane, a bright red de Havilland Comet, which won the International Air Race in 1934? Charles Scott and Tom Campbell Black flew the plane from Mildon Hall in Suffolk to Melbourne in Australia in 71 hours and 18 seconds. Remarkably, this historic aeroplane still survives today in flying condition. You never know, one of these days you might just see me zooming overhead in a dashing red aeroplane with the words Grosvenor House Rosebud emblazoned on the fuselage. We're delighted that the J.W. Marriott Grosvenor House Hotel is supporting this series of Rosebud. Do make sure you book with them next time you want a five-star experience in London town. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. You're back at school. What is your first ambition when you're there in your teens? My sc- school. Yeah, what, what, what do you hope to do? What are you thinking? I want to go back to home, home and see my pony. Ah. That's all I care about. It was very, very kind, actually, because my, my housemistress was, since I thought I was homesick and I was behaving so badly and so naughty, she thought she'd, I said she, I missed horses. And so she arranged for me to r- ride racehorses on Salisbury Plain. I was terrified. Of course. <laughs> Because they're kind and they go very fast. Yes, they're very, very fast. I don't know. I just think boarding school, all that way from home. My parents didn't come and see me once my first term. Yes, my parents didn't visit me very often. No. And I was only about an hour from London, I now realise. Yes. But that's what happened. Mm. Were you academic, in fact? No. Did you do Mm. whatever they call them, O-levels and... Oh, yes, I, I got five, I think. And then, of course, I persuaded my parents. I wanted to go to a crammer. I went to a crammer in Oxford. And it was, it was heaven because all these boys. And I went out with different boys every night. The one party I went to, and I had 19 pims. Like, they tasted so delicious. But how old are you now? 16, 17? Yeah, seven, 18, I think. 18? Anyway, I went to, I had to all these pims and absolutely plastered, passed out. And eight young undergraduates carried me home to my diggers like a sort of funeral thing you know yes cortege <laughs> yeah. holding you aloft 
so this is your... But, but the thing is, everybody thought I'd go to Oxford, Cambridge, or at least I was, I was considered quite clever. But, but of course, I, I didn't do any work at all. And so I pl- ploughed the exams. <laughs> Which of these boys... Was, who was your first lover that you remember? This man called Colin Allenson. And I remember he, he, he kissed me. Um, I think he first man who kissed me, but that's extraordinary. At the age of about 17. He was very tall, 6'4", so he had to lean down a long way. <laughs> that was quite exciting. Mm, was, 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 was. And then he had a very sexy best friend, so I moved on to him. You never met Al Cap, did you? No. The reason I mention Al Cap is that, did you know Robin Dalton? No. Who was a, she was an agent and a film producer. Mm. And she and a girlfriend of hers came for supper with me and my wife, and they fell to talking about the great lovers they'd known. Mm. Uh, and Robin mentioned Al Cap, And this other girl, I say other girl, they were both in their 70s or 80s by the time they're telling me this story. The other girl said, oh, well, I had a thing with Al Cap. <laughs> Wasn't he amazing? And Robin, who was then, I think, in the early 90s, he was, she was Australian, he was the best. He, and she said he was the best lover that she had ever known by a long, long way. Al Cap. Al Cap. He was an American cartoonist. Dutch he invented Cap. Little Abner. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that series? Yes, in, in, in all the American papers and made a fortune and the other lady who was an English novelist said oh well I had an affair with Al Cap too and he was fantastic and they both were discussing it at some length and they said yeah to be honest to be honest this man Al Cap was the greatest lover either of us has ever known oh. so I then said well can you tell me a bit more what, what did Al Cap have to offer because maybe there's some things that the rest of us would like to learn mm. they said you don't know about Al Cap I said I have no idea mm. what was Al Cap they said well, Al Cap was a uniped. A what? He only had one leg, they said. It's well known, he only had one leg. And they said it's well known if you only have one leg, all the blood that would have gone into the other leg has to go elsewhere. And this makes you the greatest lover ever. Really? And these two ladies said this to me quite seriously. <laughs> quite seriously. Anyway. As you can imagine, I then Googled Al Cap, and it's true. The whole thing is true. He was known as being the most fantastic lover. Anybody who had ever spent a night with him reported it as the greatest experience of their lives. And indeed, he had lost his leg as a boy mm-hmm. in a tram accident. His left leg, he lost his left leg in a tram accident. So I don't know why I'm telling you that, but it's just... A, with a tartar. It's extraordinary, isn't it? One leg. One Gosh. leg. So the question is, have you ever had a one-legged lover? No, I haven't. <laughs> There's I've always something to look forward yes, to. A four-legged lover or anything, a horse. Because people did, didn't they? I mean, in, in, Greek, in Greek mythology, everybody had a bed first with everybody, didn't they? Everybody went to bed with everybody. Absolutely. I know. Okay. I know. So here we are. You're at the Crammers. So you failed to get into Oxford. Mm. You plough the exam. Mm. What are you going to do? You're 18, 19, coming up for 20. Mm. Your parents are these nice county people. Brigadier, Dad, a little bit disappointed. So what happens? Uh, well, well, I got sacked from 22 jobs. What? I got sacked from 22 jobs. I couldn't do it. I couldn't type. I didn't learn to type, you see, because I was always doing other things. And I was just hopeless. And, and, and I used to giggle in meetings and things. I couldn't hold down a job. It was awful. So literally 22 jobs. Mm. A and, temporary job. You know. And did you have, I mean, the fact that you're on this newspaper suggests mm. you already had thoughts that maybe mm. what you could do was be a writer. Mm. Mm. So yeah. that was what you were really focusing yes, on? Yes, I went, I went in, pub, in publishing firms. Um, I, I used to write the blurbs. And I, worked, I worked for Collins. I worked for a lot of publishers later. And Leo, when I got married to Leo, he got me a job in a publishing firm called Crescent Press. So uh, there you are. Leo is back on the scene. He's mm. proposed to you on the second date. You've said yes. yes. Then we got married. You got married. Mm. A big, big wedding? Yes, lovely wedding. 
Um, but except he'd been married before, so I couldn't be married in church. Uh, so oh, yes, I remember we went on a honeymoon to a place called the Red Cat in Norfolk. Oh. <laughs> was this a sort of pub, country pub? It was terrible, and all Leo's rugger friends were that was in Norfolk. Leo had played rugger up there, so all Leo's rugger friends came running down the first night to see what Leo had married. And they were all, he drank with them every night. I mean, <laughs> we ran out of money by Friday, so we had to come home. Gosh. Well, it sounds as if it could have been quite a good honeymoon. My parents, my father was so naive, he booked the honeymoon in a caravan in the West Country. They he turned didn't. up, and there were bunks, bunk beds <laughs> in the caravan. <laughs> The day had begun badly anyway because they turned up at Maryland Register Office and went in to get married. And the, the registrar said, where are your witnesses? They didn't have any idea. We had to take two oh, witnesses. bless them. So they went down to the street. My father bought a lot of flowers from the flower stall and the mm. flower stall holder agreed to come in and be one witness. Yeah. And the registrar provided one of the secretaries from the office to be the other witness. That's sweet, yeah. isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Were they happily married? They were very happily married. Mm. I think mm. often a quiet wedding Mm. betokens a, a good mm. a good marriage. Yes, mm. they were married for quite a long time. Mm. And my mother coped very well with a very long widowhood. Oh. It's a bad thing, widowhood, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Did you cope very badly or were you okay? Because you no, were busy. I was, I, I was busy, but I was hap very, very sad. But um, I'm sure we were all terribly sad when he died. But, but as I said, Parkinson's is so awful. Yeah, that almost it was a relief we all around. Not, not fair for him to have to live that long. Okay, so I'm getting a flavour of you in the nine, in, when you're in your, in your 20s. What did you have to offer in your 20s? God, I don't know. Not much. I mean, you know, I, I hope I've made people giggle, but that's about all. You did. And then I was... No, what did I do in my 20s? I, I was just messing around. And then, of course, I got, got my Sunday Times job. Which was how did that happen? Because that's your breakout moment. Yeah. Godfrey Smith. Do you remember Godfrey Smith? I do remember him. Godfrey, I met Godfrey Smith at a party. I was just talking about being a young wife and how hopeless I was and a mess in the house and everything. And he said, I can't tell you the story. Can I? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, do it. Go for it. We can no, always no, cut no, it out no, if you don't no, like no, it. No, no, it was just... <laughs> no, it was just that just, um, Leo said... Um, I said, darling, would you like some... When I cooked Mazaka, um, we didn't sort of usually eat till one o'clock in the morning. It took me so long. So I said to Leo last night, would you like me to cook Mazaka if she was night? No, he said, I'd rather you shaved your bush. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree. It is quite a collector's item as stories go. I didn't see that coming at all. There we are. <laughs> no, what I mean is, where, where were we before that? <laughs> we, don't need to, we don't need to go any further. Every, every sentence is a gem. No, but it was something before that, but something was, what were we talking about just before that? We were talking about what you had to offer, and I can see oh, what, what you had no, to no, offer. No, no, I had to go for Smith. Yes. So I told Godfrey this. That was, in a sense, the secret of your early columns, because you were really writing about what it was like to be a young yeah. wife. My, my wife, yes, uh, The well, challenge of it yeah. all. What was your first taste of success? When did you know that this column was working? Well, the first one I wrote was, was about staying with people, going for the way for the weekend. And I said how ghastly it was quite often. Leo and I, sort of in a week when we accepted, we'd go, and then it was too late, and so I got down there, and it was awful. And so people were so cross about it that they'd filled my next week at the column with furious letters. <laughs> oh, dear. Wonderful, I didn't have to write that week. I got the most letters of the paper, so that was nice. So You were getting more feedback than anybody else in the paper. Mm -hmm. And then came the book, Jolly mm -hmm. Super, Jolly mm -hmm. Super 2, and yes. all, of that. all of that. The romances, were, were they aimed at young girls, or mm -hmm. they, aimed at, they were aimed at 
what we now call the young adult market. They just love stories. They just love stories about girls who met heavenly men and lived happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was it was modern, a modern version of what Barbara Carton was doing. No, it wasn't because it was, I don't think she had giggles. I don't think she was funny, Barbara yeah. Carton. She was very not serious. intentionally. No. <laughs> <laughs> Though I have to say, I, I liked her mm. and admired her industry mm. and her way of doing things. Yes, Barbara Carter was what was What do you call her? Barbara Cartel? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Did you ever go to her house? I, her house was called Camfield Lodge. I remember the first time I went there was to interview her for the radio more than 50 years ago. And um, we sat down for the interview. And before it began, she leant over to the floor and pressed a switch. And suddenly she was suffused in pink light. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Cartland, this is just for the radio. She said, it's a performance, nonetheless, I wish to look my best. <laughs> did she say that? She did. And interestingly, she then gave, when I next went back to interview, which was for television, she gave the crew tea in a room like this after we'd done the interview. And during the tea, she slipped out of the room for a minute and then came back, and tea was concluded. It was a proper tea with sandwiches mm. and um, wonderful meringues with real bright yellow cream. It was wonderful tea. And we'd just been there, we were strangers, and doing this bit of filming. And then as we left the house, she handed each of us a book wrapped in beautiful pink wrapping paper oh, with sweet. bows. And when we got into the car, we opened these parcels mm. and discovered that she dedicated each one to us individually by name. Mm. So over tea, she'd absorbed the names of all the people mm. and then slipped out, signed the books, and when we were finishing tea, they were wrapped and ready to give to us. That's lovely. It is, isn't it? Lovely. lovely and as lovely. a result of it, I'm talking about it 50 mm. years yes, later. Yes, of course you are. Lovely. That's really, 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 really nice. So you wrote these romances, yep. which were amusing. They weren't sexy in the way that your later books were. No, they, they were... had heavenly men. Yeah. Heavenly macho and men. And is that your <laughs> view of men, that they are heavenly? You certainly... No, no, I like certain types of men. I think yes, I do. I like I like sort of strong men, funny men, men who make me laugh and who are quite sort of forceful, like Leo. No, mm. you like a strong, funny man. Mm. Well, are there <laughs> enough of them around these days? No, I think they've gone now. They've all gone. <laughs> oh dear. Terrified of women, you see. Uh, Poor things. Well, had I known, I'd have put on a uniform and uh, tried to look a bit taller. Yes, you should, yes. <laughs> Never mind. The brigadier's hat. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The brigadier's hat. So. Uh, when you begin writing the novels that make you really famous and internationally successful, mm. and how, how does that come about? The writers, I was writing writers in, um, back in, in, in the 70s, and I wrote, wrote 200,000 words of it. And then I went out to lunch in Soho and took writers with me to do some corrections, you know, add, add a few adjectives and add a chapter here or there. And, and, and I got, went out to lovely lunch in Soho and I had, had got a bit drunk and then got on a bus to go back to Putney. And when I got home, it lost it. What, the whole manuscript? Mm. Gone. Wasn't that awful? And that these were the days when there were no computers no, storing nothing. it. No, nothing. It was just no. a manuscript. Gone. Even carbon paper? No, not even a carbon copy. No, 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 just that. Just one? Yeah. Do you, do you have to start again? Yes, what? completely again. But the good thing was that it was much, much better, more developed. Well, and a huge but, success. But, but, but lovely. And yes. it was the beginning of this journey. Mm. Uh, and it was That's a terrible word, journey, don't you think? Uh, well, <laughs> we're all we're all still on it. We haven't reached the terminus yet, so I'm quite grateful to it now. I tell you, I'm on a journey. On my journey. Yeah, on my <laughs> oh, this will amuse you. I went to give a talk somewhere, a show actually, and the manager of the theatre came to me before the performance and said, "What are your triggers?" I said, "Sorry, what are your triggers?" 
I said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to translate this. He said, what are the trigger warnings I've got to put out in the foyer? I said, my, my show is as innocent as sooty. He said, no, no need to be facetious, what are your triggers? And I couldn't answer the question. What are you so talking about? When I went out during the interval to sign copies of my book, yeah. I saw he put up a notice in the foyer that said, uh, be warned, this show may contain material that you find distressing. Isn't that extraordinary? Yes. Yes, this is the world we what now did, live what in. Did, what did he mean? What he meant was that he wanted to put up things saying that this show will contain references to subjects that people might find upsetting. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. What is the secret to writing an amusing and good sex scene. Are you laughing? Are you thinking it's through yourself? How does it How does it work? Well, I had a heavenly husband who was absolutely brilliant, and so it's, therefore I sort of wrote it down and, and, and remembered it. I mean, I think you just have to try and just remember. I mean, you just have to fancy your characters too. And you have to fancy your hero, and you have to fancy to find something new, new ways of doing it, really. I'm working on my new novel now. I just needed a tip from the top. That's all. You have to fancy your hero, then. Well, oh... I'm a, across the curve, can I say? I fancy everybody nowadays. That's the way to play it. Yes. Yeah. Haven't you got a bit of that in the new book? No. Oh, oh, you, I, well, I, I, you must. You're missing a trick if you haven't. No, no, no. no. My he- heroes, my lovely hero, Elijah, he's gay and Jewish. Gorgeous he is. Yeah. When was your first bad review? No, I've had some terrible ones. Really? Why were they terrible? Daily Mail said I was such a bad writer. I made Geoffrey Archer look like Dostoevsky. Well, managing to upset several people in one sentence. <laughs> Dostoevsky in heaven saying, no! Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> that was mean, wasn't it? No I, didn't mind. no, I didn't mind. No, I've had, had, some, had some bad reviews. I'm just trying to think them. Um, I've, I've had terrible ones. Because I remember that was the thing I said years ago. I said, you know, the people like me, long and long for a kind word in The Guardian. And the people who get kind words in The Guardian, long and long for my sales. <sighs> but now The Guardian's going to be lovely review this time. Well, yeah. also, it helps that you're still here and that people love you and they've learned to love you over the years. Yes, you see, age does help, doesn't it? It does, yeah. With this new book... Yeah. Writers, we, you knew that world so well. Mm. But I didn't think of you as somebody who was into the world of football. And this new book is called Tackle. Uh, if you want to score, you've got to be a player. Um, why, I mean, is, is football a sport for you? No, not really. I mean, I, I covered football when I was on a local, local newspaper you know, in Brentford. I used to cover Brentford. I just sort of thought it might be a fun subject to write about. And also, I went out to lunch and met Sir Alex, Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex. That helps. Oh. Was he impressive? 
gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and great fun. Giggle, giggle, giggle. We, we really we giggled together, and I got, had rather too much to drink, and we had a lovely, lovely time. He's so nice. Is that the secret of really actually what you're after? A few gills and quite a lot to drink and a good, strong man? Yes, lovely. I, mean, I haven't don't drink as much as I used to, actually. So I used to drink an awful lot, but now since Leo died, Leo used to drink all the time. And so now I, quite, I have two or three or four days where I haven't had, don't have a drink. Do you? Do you have one every night? No, I, have, I gave up drinking about 25 years ago. You don't drink? I don't drink at all. That's why you look so good, you see. Well, you're very sweet. It's because your eyes are going, because you're 87. That's no, I've got good eyesight. I've got, well, I gave up glasses. Mm. I, I had an agent called Irene Giuseppe. Did you ever meet her? She looked after lots of interesting people. Anyway, uh, Irene didn't wash her hair, hadn't washed her hair in her whole life since she left home, and wouldn't wear glasses. And she maintained that the natural oils made her hair lovely because she had wonderful, beautiful, fluffy hair. And her eyesight was perfect. So I decided... <laughs> not to wash my hair then it all fell out uh, but I did give up the glasses and my eyesight improved really and now I can pass the eye test I can drive cars etc and I don't wear glasses how so I don't drink and I don't wear glasses how extraordinary no, I need glasses but I can see I can see perfectly well now that you look very very good so she didn't wash her hair for how long for her whole life from the age of 17 till when she died in her 70s never not once and she had beautiful Lovely, lovely hair. Extraordinary. The natural oils. I suppose a dog, if you were a golden retriever, you might you could give it a bath occasionally, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. But you see, the dogs go out in the dirt. Mm. And Irene never went out in the dirt. She occasionally went to Brighton. But I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's because she <laughs> liked to live life in the fast lane. Yeah. Just explain to me about your children. Mm. Where do they come from? What is their story? What have they given to your life? Oh, just joy. They're lovely. I mean, absolutely lovely. I was so lucky to adopt two such lovely children. And, and, and I've got lovely grandchildren. My book, Tackle, my naughty book. I'm a bit worried, actually, because I'm quite naughty. I thought I ought to go through Tackle and, and safe to pin some of the pages together because <laughs> it's dedicated to all my grandchildren. Has it become, now you're 87, a bit more difficult to write the raunchy scenes? Or not? Yes, yes. No, it's much more difficult. Because I might, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a very sexy next book, though, so that'll be, that'll be good. Your next book's going to be very sexy. Mm. Is this not very sexy? Oh, yes, it is. It's very it's sexy. sexy enough, I think. No, 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 the cover alone no, 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 tells no, the story. No, it is sexy, but, but the next one's going to be even sexier. Good. And what's the next one going to be called? About Sparta. Sparta? Mm. Is it set in ancient Greece? Mm. No, oh. not. It's set now, but people have gone to Sparta two academics and they're going to parties Sparta and it was very boring but, but um, they, 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 did you know about ancient Greece and Sparta? No, not really Tell You me. see it was, in ancient Greece if you committed adultery awful things happened to you whether shot or thrown out or the only person in ancient Greece but it wasn't Sparta you were about to commit adultery so all these macho men incredible macho men so, you know, they were allowed to sort of screw around either sex and what now are you looking forward to in the future? What are you looking, what's your, any of your things being made into films, television, anything new coming? Yes, Rivals has been made into a film. Rivals has been made into, into a film, when does yes. that start? Um, well, it's been filmed, it's been filmed, they've done half of it already. And have you seen the people in it? It's absolutely, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh, but, but, it is, but are they beautiful? Absolutely divine, it's wonderful. 
it'll be absolutely it'll be, it's, it's so well acted and so wonderful I'm, I'm extremely orgasmic about the whole thing well I think on an orgasmic note that with you Julie is the note on which to end we're now <laughs> listeners we're now climbing under the table so that Julie can actually explain to me in more detail what she meant about <laughs> coping with those difficult sex scenes with older people okay the trouble is with <laughs> arthritis is making it a bit difficult for us to get under there but we're doing our best thank you <laughs> I wonder if she got that Damod because they knew she was going to be on Rosebud. So many of our guests seem to be dames. Dame Judy Dench, Dame Joanna Lumley, Dame Maureen Lipman, you name it. They then have them on Rosebud. I think word must have got out that Jilly Cooper had agreed to be on Rosebud. And the king, he picked up his ears and thought, yeah, Jilly Cooper, Jolly Super, isn't she a dame yet? She ought to be one. We've had an email from Sandra Walsh in Ireland. I just had to send you my memory of a visit by Richard Burton, says Sandra, to my parents' business, the fur shop in Tipperary, Ireland. Oh my, this is Richard Burton, the Richard Burton. I was 13. Richard Burton and Kate Mulgrew were staying nearby making a movie, Tristram and Isolde. One Saturday, I was manning the shop while my mum went out to get her lunch, and in walks Richard Burton. Fabulous as he was, I just treated him as an ordinary customer. I wasn't at all shy or overwhelmed. He said, I want to buy a fur coat for a friend. He bought a coney fur coat and asked me to model it. He paid in cash and took the coat with him, wrapped in brown paper. Mum returned after lunch and said, Any business? Yes, I said. Richard Burton popped in for a fur coat. It's an amazing story. Every element of it is amazing. What I think the most remarkable thing is Richard Burton having cash. Because I've checked online, the price of a fur coat, even a coney fur coat, is incredible. So he must have carried a lot of cash around with him. I love it. Oh, wonderful. Well, keep these stories coming. I love it. And as you know, I love a bit of name dropping. So Richard Burton, there you go. We do love hearing from you. Please write to us simply at hello at rosebudpodcast.com hello at rosebudpodcast.com that's it for now until next time goodbye Thank you again for listening to Rosebud, presented by me, Giles Brandreth, and produced by my friend Harriet Jane. Has she got memories for you?